0: uh, I'll never forget how the pavement felt on my feet as I was running up in the middle of the road in the dark of the evening with my uh, shoes and my socks bundled in my arms and other personal items and uh, running up the road in my neighborhood to, to get back to my house. And what had happened was that my friend, Scotty, had invited me over to uh, to spend the night. I was in elementary school. And so I thought that'd be a great idea. Went over to his house in the, in the afternoon. And it was kind of chaotic a little bit. They just put us in a room and we just kind of played and did some things that were not, uh, supervised Uh, (laughs) anyway nothing nothing weird but it was a little chaotic there was no adult there to help us through it but so finally Scotty's dad came it was already dark and he said it's time for bed and it was it was time for bed it was later but Scotty didn't want to Scotty didn't want to do that he wanted to stay up and I think watch TV or something And the dad had turned all the lights out. The the house was closing down. And so Scotty was rebelling and yelling, and they were screaming and yelling back and forth. And that's when I decided to leave. (laughs) (laughs) So I grabbed all my stuff and ran home because we lived in the same neighborhood. And it's one of those things that kind of sticks with you because it, you know... It's kind of an odd sort of a thing, but I'll never remember. I'll never forget coming into my own house, and it was so calm, and there was music playing, and my dad was sitting in his big chair, writing on a pad like he always did. And I was just was so relieved to be there, where there was peace, and or I acknowledge that my father was in charge that's the way we did things oh I'll never forget that feeling that made me appreciate my own home and my dad and I went to bed and I was fine with it the next day I'm sure I know that what happened was my dad called the guy and said hey uh, are you missing anybody over there <laughs> And uh, I remember the guy coming by and he looked kind of embarrassed Uh, Scotty's dad but my dad handled everything for me he didn't make a big deal you shouldn't have left or anything like that but uh, the screaming and the yelling was something I wasn't I wasn't used to so I I want you to think about that picture and how you know I grew up and and the idea was I don't know if I articulated it this way but father knows best you know my dad was my dad. he was in charge, and i I trusted him uh and that model is the same model of course that we have with our father in heaven. We pray to him and we acknowledge him as our father he knows he knows best. but sometimes we can get we can get off course and we can be <laughs> deceived. We can wonder about, does father really know best? Has he got things in hand? Is this I mean, I look around and I think, he's doing a bad job. Things are out of control, they're evil, they're, what's wrong? So I want us to think about <clears throat> today that we, want, that we don't want to be deceived by what we see and what we interpret, to re, but to remember that our Father in heaven does know best and that he is good. So, that's the main point, is that God is good. And we're going to look at uh, the book of James in chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. Uh, if you have your Bible, turn to James 1, 16. So, I remember too, as a kid in elementary, we used to go to the Texas State Fair. I grew up in Texas. And... Uh, <coughs> One of the things we would do is go to the fun house, where you have like you have that giant barrel that's spinning and you gotta zip through there. You ever seen that? And then there's the mirrors, like a maze that you can't find the opening. But then there's the fun house mirrors, the weird warped mirrors. Remember those? Those were my favorite. Because as little kids we would stand in front of those and <clears throat> it made you look like your head was like this tall. When you're just a little kid. It was the hilarious, most hilarious thing for my brother and I. Or you move a little bit and your body's like this doll. And I remember that as a funny thing, but it's, it's a distortion. It's, it doesn't line up with reality. And sometimes that's how we're actually seeing life. When we're interpreting it from our own perspective. When everything's about me and what I want, like Scotty, then things get out of whack. You ever been there? If you haven't, just come to me and I'll tell you what it's like. Because I have. Things get out of whack. And I feel like I don't know what's going on. And I can be deceived. And that's the first thing that, uh, that James says here in verse 16. So let's read this, James 1, 16 through 18. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures." So, that's kind of a short little passage, but it has a good context here. But he says, do not be deceived. So, these are, he's writing to believers. So, first thing we, we might notice is that it's possible to be a believer and to kind of be deceived, to have the wrong idea about things. So, what he's trying to correct here is that everything that's good in your life comes from God. Who is always good and never changes and has even given you the best thing, which is new life, to be the first fruits of those eternal beings who are related to him. So God is good and I can live my life based on that and have that peace of being with him. Uh, So I want us to remind ourselves of that today. And there are three reasons here in the passage that we can know, that we can remind ourselves that God is good. Uh, First of all, though, I want us to think about how is it that we deceive ourselves? Well, in the passage, he's already talked about, he said, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Now, what is your first reaction when you encounter trials? Exactly. <laughs> Which is not the same as considered all joy. Great joy. It is, this is a real bummer, and this shouldn't happen, and this is not fair. All of those kinds of things. And what has God got against me? Anybody? I guess I'm not one of his special favorite people because he's let this happen. He doesn't care remember I remember a couple passages when Jesus was sleeping in the in the boat and there was the storm and the disciples woke him up and said Jesus don't you care do not you care we're about to die don't you care did you ever say that to God sure we have and then Martha remember Martha there's Mary she's supposed to be helping from Martha's point of view Martha has her standards. Don't you care, Jesus, that Martha's not helping me prepare the meal? So sometimes we can deceive ourselves and make sort, some sort of judgment upon God and blame him when actually the wisdom here is if you have a trial, see it as an opportunity to exercise your faith. And look for what God's going to do through that. I hardly ever do that first blush, first reaction. And I'm old. (laughs) But I can know that I can have the right perspective. I can gain the right perspective. Uh, Another way that we can be deceived is to think that we can, by our own standards and interpretation and wisdom, navigate this life. But he says, but if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Ah, but what does that take? It takes trust. It takes patience. It takes waiting and saying, what is God's wisdom on this? Maybe I should do a little research and find out in his word wait for him to show me that wisdom because if he's going to give it to me I'm going to wait for it but what do we do we get impatient we say god you're not moving you're not doing anything what's going on you know I have these needs and you know I have a plan why aren't you doing my plan etc so we revert back to our own wisdom We want to stay up late and watch TV, like Scotty. (laughs) Or sometimes we can be deceived because we think, because I'm blessed, God's given me all these things, I must be, deserve it, I must be special, I must be, have done something right. Now, there is, there is a correspondence to following God's wisdom and having peace and things like that. But to get the idea that somehow I deserve the good, and James explodes that too. He says, look, the rich man is to glory in his humiliation because like a flower and grass, he will pass away. Um, so if you're rich don't think you've got it made and that you're some kind of, kind of favorite of God. But that's what a lot of people thought in Jesus' day. If you had it good, better than other people, God's blessing you for some reason that you deserve it. But God is good means he's just merciful and gracious and he wants to bless you whether you deserve it or not. God so loved the world. Christ died for the ungodly, etc. So these are some of the ways uh, that we can, uh, we can mess up. We can, get, we can be deceived. We can blame our own sin on God. Why didn't you help me more? Why did you put me in that position? But... but uh, But James says, let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. So God is good. He's not tempted. He's not going to tempt you. But you sin because of your own, he says, desires, your own lust, your own evil desire that leads you away to sin, which brings forth death. So that's humbling, isn't it? You did it yourself because you wanted it. And you took it when it was the wrong time or the wrong place, and you knew it was wrong, and you did it anyway. God didn't do that. There's no excuse that, well, God didn't answer my prayer, so I'm just going to do whatever I want. God didn't come through for me on this thing that I wanted, so I'm just going to take it and grab life and turn my back on God. Do people do that? Sure. But that's all deception, according to James. It reminds me of, uh, <clears throat> of Adam. Remember when, when God was looking for Adam after they had fallen? Adam, where are you? It's like my dad. A lot of times we were doing a project and I would disappear. (laughs) My dad was always doing projects. Adam, where are you? And he was hiding. He was ashamed. But what did he, when, when he was confronted, what have you done? I told you not, have you taken the fruit from the tree? I told you not to. And what did he say? This woman that you gave me she gave it to me, and I hate it. You gave me this woman, and you, you messed up, God. So the deception is to blame God for my own rebellion. That's a, it's pretty amazing the way we twist things uh, so that we can have our own way. So we want to get rid of all that and remember God is good and he's my father and I can trust him. And it tells us why he's good. First of all, reasons we know he's good because, and this is is very heavy, I hope you can take this in theologically and philosophically because he gives good gifts. Did you get that? Every good thing given And every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Anything that you have is from God. So what is the appropriate way to walk in the Christian life? So that I'm not deceived, so that I acknowledge God's goodness, I get to live in the Father's presence in the peace of his house. The way to walk is to acknowledge the good gifts, right? To say, thank you, Lord. Thanks that I'm breathing. Thanks for whatever it is good that you have, which is a lot. If we start uh, detailing those things, we could go on and on till doomsday, right? With every little thing. For instance, I was just reading, did you know that your gut has a second brain in there that does all sorts of stuff for you and and watches out for you and has microbes and everything else? I'm really an expert on this, as you can tell. (laughs) But you don't even think about that, and it's all happening all the time so that you can live. Live. We can't even see it. We don't even think, think about all the things that you don't even know about that God gives you, every good gift. So we want to be grateful. So can you take credit for the good? Like, yeah, I'm one of the special ones. Do you earn and grab for yourself the good things? Or is that just a gracious gift of your father? So we want to align our minds with reality here, not deceive ourselves about these things. Everything is from God. That's good. Which shows me the more I think about it how good he is and that he's my father. That's a good way to live. So I can't take credit for it, and I want to just be thankful. I can't earn it because righteousness and goodness can't be earned anyway. It's a gift. He is our righteousness, Christ. Uh, So gratitude and not pride is the attitude. If I don't like what's going on in my life, am I going to grouse and complain like the Israelites did to Moses and to God? Or am I going to look at what he's given me and thank him and see those other things as an opportunity, even though I can't understand it sometimes. Maybe it's too grievous and too personal, but as an opportunity to exercise my faith, to trust him. If I can understand it, I can know that he understands it. And like there's that old song, we'll understand it all by and by. But we don't now. We see in a in a glass, dimly. But I can trust Him, and I can ask Him for wisdom. What a wonderful thing, because He's good. Um. I remember uh, one year, our I may have mentioned this before, but there was a sunflower that grew up behind our deck when we lived in Schenectady. It was right in the right position. It grew up tall enough. And it's perfect symmetry, that yellow color. I couldn't believe how beautiful it was. I did nothing to make that happen. Absolutely nothing because we had a bird feeder there and one of the seeds fell down and a sunflower grew up. That's how God does. He just blesses us with those things. And we either take them for granted and grouse about what we don't have. Well, I wanted a rose bush or whatever. (laughs) Or we just glory and revel in what he has given us and acknowledge him as, as our good father. He's not a stingy, judgmental grandpa. There's never a catch with his blessings. You know people, there's always a catch, right? Hey, I want to give you this. uh, By the way, could you do something for me? (laughs) There's never a catch with God. Because that's who he is. Also, every gift, every good thing, including your second brain, is like a personal gift to you. And if you look on the bottom of it, it doesn't say made in China. It says... It says, from your Father in heaven to you. Isn't that amazing? It all comes down from the Father of lights. Goodness, light. And it says, to Michael from God. I probably told you this story because I tell some of these stories over and over. But my, my little daughter, when she was little, gave me a little... Piece of uh, like string, like some of that, like a thick string, like on a that you would tie your shoe with, just a piece. And she said, "Daddy, it's a little green piece of string. Remember my oldest daughter, Sarah. I'm giving you this because it reminds you that I love you." Aw, okay. <laughs> so I tied that onto my keychain, and that was there for a long time. Now, is that string in and of itself anything? But it's, it was symbolic of the love that she had for me. Everything God gives you has the same personal touch. Everything. And so we find ourselves just awash in His goodness and grace, don't we? Overwhelmed if we will see it for what it is instead of being Deceived. So, God is good because He gives good things. But He's also good because He doesn't change. He's always the same. He's good, and He's always good. Because He says it comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. He's always good, He's always consistent he'll never let you down. He's the one that said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Always with you. It's like the Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Because everything is in him and from him and he's my shepherd. He's with me. Even though I walk through the valley Of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because thou art with me. Thou art with me. And you're always consistent. You're never going to let me down. He's always good. The deception is that sometimes God goes against you and he's uh, trying to, to play with you or trick you or something like that. That's how it feels when bad things happen. I've even prayed, Lord, would you take your giant thumb of God and quit crushing me? Because that's how it feels sometimes. But again, I can appeal to him for wisdom. I can see that as an opportunity to put my trust in him. What's God going to do with this thing that looks bad to make it good. That's his specialty. He didn't cause the bad thing. He doesn't cause evil. But he can turn it into good. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good, Joseph said. I'll never forget, we used to go to these conferences with uh, Institute and Basic Youth Conferences. And the guy, I can't remember his name. Yeah, Bill Gothard used to do these chalk talks. He would start with this nice uh, landscape view, maybe a a lake and some mountains. Then he would take a black marker and he would just make these big black marks. And it looks like it's ruined. And he would use that as, as an illustration about how we can see things like that. Because everything's ruined. Do you ever feel that way? Something bad, it's all ruined. But then he would take those black marks and he would incorporate them and make them into beautiful pine trees or something like that. Now that's what God does. Because he's always good. He's consistent. If there's darkness... If there's something bad that happens to you and you do turn away from him, then you're causing the darkness. Relying on your own understanding or your own wisdom. Throw it in the towel. Well, God, this doesn't work. But that's not what God is doing. God is the father of lights. There's no shadow of turning in him. There's nothing in him that I have to think, hmm, can I really trust this person? Because he's utterly and completely good and trustworthy. So people are like that. People will turn on you, even sometimes when they don't even mean it. But God will never do that. He's always good. He never means harm to you. He always means good. And he's proved it in sending his son to take your sin upon him and to in exchange for that, here, I'll take your sin, all of your sin, and I'll heal you. In exchange for that, I'll give you new life that never ends. That's pretty good. That's God's program. So God is always good. He's like the sun. He's the father of lights. The sun is always shining. The sun is consistent. And then finally, we know that God is good because he gives good gifts. He's always the same. He never changes. And also because he gives us that new life. And this is is how James wraps up this passage. In the exercise of his will... This was his idea. You didn't think of this. You didn't think of this. He thought of it. This was his plan. Who was waiting when Jesus was born and saying, what we really need is a new spirit inside of us, a new birth? Who was saying that? Nicodemus didn't even get it. He was a leader of Israel. What we really need is somebody to take upon himself all the sins of the whole world and in exchange give us the life of God so that we can enter into a relationship with our Father in heaven. Who was... Who was now, we didn't think of that. That was his great plan. He knows best. The Father knows best so that he gives us new life In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. Brought us forth, giving us new life. So that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. We're those new people that belong to God. That are forever his sons and daughters. That look forward to having a place in his house. Because Jesus promised. Can you think of a better scenario than that? No, that's not good enough, God. Oh, well, that's it. I'll never get coming home in that peaceful house and thinking, oh, that's what it's going to be like when we get to heaven, when we get to be with God. That's what He has in mind for us. Why don't we just walk in it right now and trust Him? Like Jesus said, In the world you will have trouble, but it's an opportunity for your faith, according to James, to exercise your faith and to even go into maturity and begin to live out the wisdom of God. In the world you will have trouble, but cheer up. I've overcome the world, Jesus said. That's a great gift all by itself. So that we can trust him because he's good. And that that is the foundation of our lives. God is good. I don't have any doubt. No matter what happens. He's good. The good that he gives us is connected to the good that is his character. That is who he is. And he wants us to know him which is the greatest good. I should write that down. He is the summum bonum, the greatest good, to know him. Show us the Father, is what the disciples said, and that'll be enough, and he was right. And Jesus said, have you been with me this long? You didn't know that I and the Father are one? I've, show, I've been showing you the Father the whole time because I'm his son, So we want to walk in that and walk in the new life. Isn't it great that we don't need to be rehabilitated? We don't need recuperation. We need to get rid of the old and start over. And that's what he's given us. So that like Romans 6, we walk in newness of life. We trust in his goodness, not mine. And not my heart or anything else about me. Because he's brought me forth. He's birthed me anew. And so I want to walk in that newness of life, trusting my Father in heaven, knowing that he has so many good things for me, and be an agent of that good in the world, right? So, to be grateful to Him for all the good gifts, to trust Him because He never changes. Everything else changes. Now that I'm 60 some odd, 61, I look back and I think about when I was in my 30s, and I don't feel any different inside, but something happened, and I've changed. That's just the way it is, but God doesn't change. And we can trust him. And then be that first fruits. Be the salt and the light. Be the good in the world that reflects the good Father. Quit worrying about yourself all the time. And be a blessing, right? That's what I need to hear. Like God is a blessing. Forgive like your Father in Heaven forgives you. All of those things. Because I'm all set. Because I have a good Father in Heaven who loves me. And I know that. Without any doubt. Let's close with a prayer. Lord, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the wisdom that we can gain from your word. Lord, that we have this promise that we can ask you for wisdom at any time. And you will generously and graciously, without reproach, give us wisdom. Help us to wait for your word and your wisdom in our lives. We thank you that we can trust you completely and utterly. And Lord, we pray that you'll remind us of these things when we hit the bumps in life and the, and the scrapes and the hard things and the, the black marks that we can completely trust you and almost excitedly see what's God going to do in this. Lord, help us to gain that wisdom. Lord, thank you for your patience and your grace and your kindness to us because we are just like children, we don't understand. We're often one our own way. We're often sad and we're often uh, beat down by the world. But Lord, help us to, re- to remember the good things you give us, to be grateful, and to live out of that. We thank you for uh, the greatest thing you've given us, your own son in the new life and the healing that comes in our lives through him and the forgiveness of sin. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.